The weeks surrounding Pentecost are especially dense with solemnities and feasts of saints. May 10th is the earliest that Pentecost can occur. You may remember that hasn't happened since 1818. And June the 13th is the latest that Pentecost can occur, and that won't happen until 2038. Between those two dates, there are 16 optional memorials, St. Augustine of Canterbury, Our Lady of Fatima, St. Pancras, St. Ephraim, to name a few, seven obligatory memorials, St. Philip Neri, Immaculate Conception of Mary, St. Justin Martyr, and two major feasts, the Visitation of the Blessed Virgin Mary and St. Matthias the Apostle, five solemnities, Trinity Sunday, today's Corpus Christi, the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and not to mention the Apostles Peter and Paul and the Nativity of St. John the Baptist, which fall just slightly outside the parameters on June 24 and 28, or rather 29. This explosion of liturgical activity is a little bit like corks popping on champagne bottles. It implies that the party has not ended with Easter, but goes on for another 12 weeks. And the point of the party is that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not just his personal vindication over death, but a victory over sin and death in the lives of countless men and women who have followed in his footsteps. The vindication of the whole human race and the offer of salvation to all who believe and are incorporated into Christ, into his passion, death and resurrection through the Easter sacraments. Throwing a 12-week party to celebrate grace and holiness in the lives of ordinary people is, at the very least, a modest response to God's gift of salvation in the face of the extraordinary capacity of human beings for evil. Unfortunately, for every party, there are always party poopers, there is no legal limit to the number of killjoys the planet can sustain on any given day. To liturgical minimalists, all this liturgy seems fussy and exaggerated. Until you compare our liturgical calendar to that of the Eastern Orthodox Church, we observe the Solemnity of All Saints as an autumn festival on November the 1st, the Orthodox celebrate All Saints as a spring festival on the second Sunday after Pentecost, and according to their calendar for 2020, that happens to be today. The abundance of feasts of saints in the East and the West in the weeks surrounding Pentecost gives witness to a deep intuition about the meaning of Pentecost in the life of the Church. We are seeing in the liturgy the transformative power of the Holy Spirit unleashed upon the Church. So while the Byzantine churches are celebrating all saints today, we in the West are celebrating Corpus Christi, two different religious traditions but one common intuition. Once upon a time when I was studying theology in Washington, D.C., I heard a professor in class one day refer to this feast as an example of liturgical overkill. We already had, he said, a feast celebrating the institution of the Holy Eucharist on Holy Thursday. Why do we need another one barely two months later? 
The answer is that on Holy Thursday it's not possible to honor the gift of the Eucharist with processions and thanksgiving that marks this feast day. Holy Thursday points to the memory of Judas' betrayal, Peter's denial, and the passion and death of Christ. That, in fact, was the intuition of a person who originally inspired the Church to institute Corpus Christi. Her name was St. Juliana of Liège. She was a Norbertine nun who lived in what is now Belgium. St. Juliana wanted to honor the Blessed Sacrament with a day other than Holy Thursday. She mentioned her idea to a small group of clerics, one of whom was named Pantelion of Liège. He's better known today as Pope Urban IV, the Pope who put Corpus Christi on the universal calendar of the Church. Catholics place the Eucharist at the center of our weekly worship. This is why we do not approach Holy Communion casually, why we genuflect before the tabernacle, bow before the reception of the sacrament, why we fast from food and drink for one hour before receiving Holy Communion, why we use candles, chant, bells, and incense. These are not liturgical frills, what the enlightened despisers of Catholicism like to call smells, bells, and yells. This is, this is why we remind ourselves that this, or this is the way we remind ourselves that this is not mere bread and wine, but Christ himself, body, blood, soul, and divinity present under the appearance of bread and wine. And this is why one of the necessary conditions for proper participation in the Eucharist is a life lived in imitation of the one who offers himself as the saving victim. Receiving Holy Communion means believing in him, choosing him, committing our lives to him, becoming holy as he is holy, so that over the course of our lives, we too become saints. In other words, we become who we eat and drink. St. Augustine of Hippo is said to have used similar words to invite his people to communion. The gifts of God for the people of God, he said, see who you are, become what you see.